Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning, Atlanta, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is sponsored by CDI Managed Services, where we provide outsource IT consulting and integrated solutions. I'm Nicole Toptosh, and I'll be hosting today's show. We have a really great lineup this morning. We'll be talking with two business leaders who will give us some background and insight into their companies and what they do. With us today from a company called Championship Communication, we'll be talking with their president, Dr. Bill Lampton, also on our panel is writer and author of Life Reclaimed Against Domestic Violence, Ms. Sharla Hammond. Welcome and thank you all for taking the time from your busy day to uh, be with us here this morning. And Bill, Dr. Bill, we'll get started with you and uh, tell us about what you do. Well, first of all, it's great to be on the program. I've been looking for silver lining in the cloud all my life. <laughs> <laughs> now you found it. <laughs> uh, now I found it. Great day in the morning mm -hmm. here. <laughs> you ask about my company? Yes. My company, Championship Communication, started in 1997. Mm -hmm. It really was the sort of the culmination of a, a good number of years of preparing part-time to be a speaker, mm -hmm. communication consultant, mm -hmm. author, coach, mm -hmm. seminar director. I'd done all those things part-time for a good number of years when I was in administrative positions for mm -hmm. 22 years. And when the uh, time came for one job to end, my wife and I said, hey, you've been dabbling in this. Uh, you've been moonlighting for a lot of years. Why mm -hmm. don't you do it full-time? Mm -hmm. So I formed my company, became a keynote speaker, mm -hmm. and then morphed into some of the ac other activities that I mentioned. I had the privilege of working with many top-tier companies, but mm -hmm. I also worked with small companies, and I work with individuals who want to become excellent speakers. Mm -hmm. That's always a good um, quality to have, being an excellent speaker. Now, speaking of top-tier companies, you worked with some well-known names, Gillette, Procter & Gamble, just to name a few. How do you determine which communication problems in a company need correction? In one way, Nicole, that's much simpler than it used to be. Before 1996, we had a lot of trouble finding out what was going on with the company. Now, with the Internet, almost anything that's a problem with a company is going to appear online. So, for one thing, if I am invited to become a communication consultant or seminar director for a company, I can find out a lot about the company mm -hmm. before I even talk to anyone at the company. In fact, many of them publish their annual report mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. However, that's just the starting place. The main method that I use, yes, some people give written questionnaires to employees, and I see value in that. Mm -hmm. But as you and I know, a face-to-face -face encounter with someone is going to bring out what they wouldn't say on paper. And especially when I have the CEO who paves the way for these interviews, when I have the CEO 
assure them that what they say will be taken anonymously. Mm -hmm. It won't be confidential because I will share their information when I give a full report after 10 or 15 or 20 interviews. But when they know that it's going to be anonymous, they will be very frank about some of the problems Mm -hmm. that they have been facing. That's true. You talked about using the World Wide Web as a way of finding out some information about the company. I'll give you a plug there. You're an IT lady, so. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) When uh, you're uh, gathering your questions together uh, to interview a client's employee, what are the three major questions that you would ask? When I get into those individual interviews, yes, there are three major questions that I ask. I came onto these a long time ago, and they have worked well and continue to. The first question I will ask an employee is, what's good about communication here? What's really working well? Mm -hmm. The reason I start with that one, Nicole, is I like to get things on a positive note to begin with. If you get them on a negative note to begin with, you're not going to get constructive at all Mm -hmm. in those interviews. So the first thing I say is, what are some of the good things that are happening here? Mm -hmm. And they might say things like, well, I have easy access to my supervisor, or the instructions I get are clear, or I... I find that information is easy to get here. They'll say some things like that. Mm -hmm. But then the second thing I say, I ask is, what are some of the communication problems here that need addressing and correcting? And again, knowing that they're speaking anonymously, they will be quite frank. And then the third thing I ask them is, all right, we've talked about what's not good here. We've talked about what is good. What are your recommendations? And of course, everybody, as we know, in the workforce likes to have his or her opinion sought. Of course. It shows that you respect the Mm -hmm. person. Now, one point that I would like to underscore here is that whether I'm doing interviews, whether someone else is doing interviews, the main point of all this that I make with the CEO that I'm working with is You can go through all these exercises and you can get all this information, and that's very good. And it's a touchy-feely. People know that their opinion has been asked and that they've been able to make recommendations. However, this is all useless and can even be counterproductive if you don't act on it. Exactly. I've been in uh, organizations myself during my management years where the employee survey would take place every year. And after about the third year, I said, you know, the only thing that changed about the employee survey, the only thing that ever happened, the only thing that was ever different was maybe they used a different color paper for the questionnaire (laughs) the next (laughs) year. I never saw the action. We got Mm -hmm. to express it, but that's not enough. You have to act on it. You definitely have to to make a difference. Now, in asking questions, you emphasize the importance of listening. What made you decide that listening is so important in business? Well, it started with me at a very young age. My father had the, the right idea. He knew that children can learn the value of work and they can learn the value of money by taking 
jobs. And, and so I was working in a warehouse, a feed, seed, and fertilizer warehouse. I was a 15-year-old kid. One day, a couple of the co-workers said, hey, Bill, we're going to get lunch someplace. Can you handle everything okay? And of course, being a brash 15-year-old, I said I could. One of the uh, first things that happened was a man backed his pickup truck up to the ramp and I understood him to say that he wanted 10 sacks of 5105 fertilizer. Well, those, those are 100-pound sacks each. And again, being sort of a, uh, a bold 15-year-old, the logical step would have been to put five sacks on and come load them into the truck and then go get five more. But no, 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 not me. I, you know, I put all 10 on that, that uh, <laughs> dolly truck that we called it, and I loaded them all into the truck one by one and South Mississippi, 95 degrees. I was sweating like crazy, and but I was really proud. The whole time, this man never said a thing while I was doing it. And at the end of it, he looked at me and said, you've got to take them all back. I said, <laughs> what? I said, what do you mean I've got to take them all back? He said, you didn't get my order right. I said, why didn't I? He said, I didn't say I wanted 10 sacks of 5105 fertilizer. I said I wanted 10 pounds. <laughs> the power and importance of listening. Right. So look at what bad listening cost me, the, the physical exertion, the humiliation. And so later on, when I became a part of the workforce and in the world outside academia, I started as a prof at the University of Georgia, but then I went into management for 22 years. I recognized the importance of listening from that one experience as a 15-year-old. You never I, forgot. I Believe me, I never forgot. And yeah. anytime I get a backache, I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Dr. Bill Lampton, president of Championship Communication on Silver Lining in the Cloud, sponsored by CDI Managed Services. So, Dr. Bill, you help leaders and aspiring leaders control their stage fright. What are a few guidelines that you can share with our listeners on how you do that? I love to talk with people about that topic because it's such a universal need. <clears throat> Nicole, the first thing I say to people about stage fright is you need to take a different view of your audience. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons we have such stage fright is that we have a a view that the audience is criticizing us, mm -hmm. that they're going to be judging us, they're analytical, they're almost grading us. Mm -hmm. The opposite is the case. I like to tell people that audiences are not your critics, they're your cheerleaders. Yeah, they're there to soak up what you have to say. That's right. And after all, they do not want you to fail. It's as uncomfortable for the audience as it is for the presenter when the speaker fails. In fact, I tell people, you know what audiences are really thinking while you're up there speaking? They're thinking, I sure am glad it's Nicole up there and not me. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that way while watching the Miss USA pageant this uh, weekend where they had asked one of the contestants a question and she was stumped. She did not know what to say. So I feel you on that one. You also uh, direct seminars on customer service What's the advice that you would give about the language that customer service representatives should use? Because that's so important near the forefront of the company. I love that you asked that. And not too long ago, I posted an article 
on LinkedIn the 20 things that customers don't want to hear and what you should stay, say instead. And for example, some of them, one of them would be, and this, this truly irritates a customer, is if you ask them a question or you ask them to do something, and the, the clerk, the sales clerk, or the person behind the counter or whoever says, well, that's not my job. They don't care whose job it is. They just want something done. And the appropriate response would be, well, you know, I'm not really the person who can help you on that, but I know who can. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take you to that person. <clears throat> so saying, that's not my job mm -hmm. is terrible. And then another one, which is very offensive, would be if you said to a customer, gee, you know, you're the first one that's ever made that complaint. Mm. <laughs> what, you're, what you're doing is telling them you're cranky, mm -hmm. you're obnoxious, you're picky. That's not what they want to hear. What you might say instead is, well, you know, that's an angle we haven't considered before. And we really appreciate your bringing that up. And then one more that I can throw in very quickly is, don't tell customers, huh, that's not our policy. They don't give a happy hang about your policy. Mm -hmm. They want some results. <laughs> they want some results. Right. What uh, networking strategies do you suggest, you know, when you're networking and meeting new people? Networking, I say, beats not working. And, <laughs> and I'll that, say that networking determines your net worth. Let's talk first about what not to do. I was at a Chamber of Commerce reception in another city. And there was one person there who very visibly must have brought 75 to 100 business cards with him. And he went around handing that business card to people without asking them any questions about their business mm -hmm. or who they were or even getting their name and said, here, handed them the four, uh, his business card and said, next time you need flooring done, I'm the guy to call. Wow. My guess is, Nicole, he went home that night and he thought, boy, is that phone going to be ringing off the hook tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Nobody called him. Why? Because it was all centered on him. Mm -hmm. The best networking is when you don't make it about you, you make it about someone Definitely. else. That's People right. love to talk about themselves. I yes. say that all the time. And their company mm -hmm. and their need. Yes. Exactly. So don't be a scorekeeper. It's not important how many people you talk with what is significant is, are there relationships that you have established there? So you don't go there with a sales mentality. You go there with a connection mentality. Exactly. And then what can happen after that, if people like your services, they do business with people they know, like, and trust. Exactly. If you have established that you're that person, They'll meet you for coffee or lunch or invite you to their office. It goes from there. And I've even found in certain situations, if they don't have a need, they may know someone who does. That's right. And and one of my uh, one of the people that I've learned a lot from is a guy named Bob Berg. And Bob wrote a book called Endless Referrals. This was years ago, and that book has gone into many reprints. And one of the things that Bob said was, the first thing you might say to somebody that you meet at a networking event is, 
you're very uh, you're very interesting, and I would like to know who would be the ideal customer that I could refer to you. Mm-hmm. I like that. Boy, does that ring a bell. Then again, it's not all about you. It's about them. But you have to be genuine with this. Here, again, as with any communication situation, you don't do that to be manipulative. That will show, and it will be uh, very weak. You're doing that because you really want to help other people. Right. I agree. Dr. Lampton, help me out here. I remember numbers really well, but I never remember people's names. What sort of formula or strategy do you use for catching and remembering names? I mean, you, you meet so many people, and I'm sure you have some tidbits for that. I do think it's very important to remember names. It compliments people. They know that you paid attention to yes. them. The first thing to do is to make sure you catch the name. That's how can you remember what you don't catch? So if I'm introduced to you, the first thing I want to do is make sure I got the name. And if I didn't, is it okay to ask again? Sure. It compliments someone that you're that interested. So catch the name to begin with. And if it's a complicated name, with a, a, ask them to spell it. And then, of course, you can say, well, I want to make sure I remember you. Would you please give me your business card? Mm-hmm. So that helps. Then next, repeat the name in mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. because this shows that you've caught the name and it reinforces it as well. Repetition. Uh, yes. Associate the name. So if I meet a Nicole next week, then I can think immediately, oh, I was with Nicole last week. So that makes that easier to remember. I'll tell you a quick story on that, though. I was giving a a, a presentation at the um, the North Fulton Chamber one time, and mm-hmm. I mentioned this very thing about associate a name, and one man said, well, let me tell you, you have to be careful with that. <laughs> he said, I was introducing a guest of mine at the Rotary Club, and his name was Jim Beam. <laughs> he said, <laughs> I'm going to have no trouble at all remembering his name. But when he got up, he introduced him, and he said, I'm very happy to introduce my guest, Johnny Walker. (laughs) (laughs) And I I told Alan Urich, who told me this story, I said, well, you know, Alan, that just proved to the group that you had good taste. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, two other things quickly. Make sure you write down the name. Mm -hmm. If you didn't get their business card, make sure you write it down. And they won't mind if you write it down even then. Again, they see that you're paying attention. Also, the the final suggestion here, before you go to a networking event, if you have a list of the people who are going to be there, it's a membership list, or maybe you've got your own what we used to call a Rolodex file, but now it's something that you keep some other way, go over the list of names. It will refresh you. So, Putting all those together, you probably will have a better chance of remembering names. If, though, you forget the name, here's a good way to approach that. Let's say that I see you a year from now, and I know I know you, and I know that we had uh, this radio program together, but turn it, for the moment I've gone blank, what do I do? I go up to you and I say, hi, I'm Bill Lampton. I was on your program. So I haven't told you I have not remembered your name, but you'll probably say, oh, yes, and I'm Nicole, and I enjoyed our time together. (laughs) Exactly. I can recall one situation. We were at a restaurant, and I knew the fella. He had been on our show, 
uh, we're LinkedIn on LinkedIn, and I couldn't remember his name. So I went up and said, hi, we're, we're LinkedIn on LinkedIn. What's your name again? <laughs> That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You were interested. I guess my worst faux pas on names was six months after I was married, I introduced my wife to someone by her maiden name. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> We're still married. We got over it. That's good. Dr. Bill, what do you like most about what you do? What I like most about what I do is helping people communicate more effectively. Mm-hmm. This impacts everything we do. It can be sales. It can be management. It can be teamwork. It can even be uh family relationships. I like to help people learn how to listen, how to deal with difficult people, how to uh, present themselves more effectively, make a stronger first impression, how to Mm -hmm. speak more effectively, how to take your ideas and help somebody understand those ideas Mm -hmm. and even accept them. Those are the things that I love most about my Mm -hmm. job, helping people communicate more effectively. Right. That is excellent and so important because, you know, we've all heard that cliche, communication is key. And on many levels, it does bolster a person's confidence level as well. Uh, I'll uh, illustrate it. Daniel Webster said something I love to quote. He said, if I were to lose all of my possessions except one, I would save the power of communication for by it, I would soon regain all of the rest. Mm -hmm. So true. I love it. Dr. Bill, tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you. Well, by telephone, 678-316-4300. My website, biz, that's B-I-Z, bizcommunicationguy.com. Great. Thank you so much for that enlightening interview. We certainly do appreciate you and the work that you do. Wonderful to be with you and your audience. Thank you. You're welcome. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, sponsored by Computer Design and Integration and CDI Managed Services. Next on our panel this morning, we have Sharla Hammond, author of Life Reclaimed Against Domestic Violence. Welcome, Sharla. How are you? I am so wonderful. Thank you so much, Nicole, for having me here this morning. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Love the book. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Charlotte. Um, well, I'm a single mom of three children, two grown, and one I'm still raising. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, all of them act like I'm still raising them sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, I, I love to inspire and motivate others, mm-hmm. especially women, mm-hmm. and especially women that have been through um, trauma. Mm-hmm. Or been through a lot of um, you know things in life mm-hmm. because I can definitely relate, right. um, and I have overcome a lot of things you know that I have experienced. Uh, you know, as we we're going to be talking about today, mm-hmm. domestic violence, mm-hmm. and so that's something that I you know definitely have a passion for. Mm-hmm. I uh, certainly enjoyed reading the book, and thank you so much for sharing it with me. Yeah. Um, share with us, the listeners, what the book is about. Well, the book is basically about uh, my own personal experience with domestic violence. Um, I experienced domestic violence um, while I was married. Um, I was married for a span of 10 years. However, within the first two and a half to three years, I experienced domestic violence. Um, In the book, I start off talking about my relationship with my father. Um, That relationship was definitely broken. 
Um, I dealt with a lot of rejection and neglect um, growing up. And the book began to segue into, uh, into when I met my, you know, my husband. And that relationship, uh, well, basically, I, mm, well, basically, I, just excuse me for a second. Just mm-hmm. kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. No problem. It happens. <laughs> but basically, it is the relationship I had with my father. Mm-hmm. It really set the tone for the type of relationship that I would choose, the type of men that I would choose in my life. That was basically what I was trying to say. I apologize there. And um, actually the book, I talk about that experience and that relationship and that marriage and what I experienced. And also once I finally made my decision to leave the marriage and the support that I received And so that was, you know, really good because that helped aid to my well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and also within the book, the very last chapter talks about um, it gives a guide. I give a self-help guide mm-hmm. um, to be able to help women um, that are, you know, that's experiencing that or, mm-hmm. you know, some women that may be actually in a relationship and they don't know <clears throat> that the relationship is potentially abusive right. and there may be some signs. So what would be some of the signs, you know, of someone who's potentially in an abusive relationship? Yeah. Um, some of those signs, and that's very important to know, um, because I didn't know when I first got into the relationship um, mm-hmm. before I had gotten married, because the abuse didn't start taking place to about two weeks after I said I do. Mm-hmm. And actually, some of those signs would be like controlling behavior, mm-hmm. manipulative type behavior, um, um, having the uh, abuser criticize you. Um, belittle you, um, yelling at you as well, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and even um, just the partner having a very bad temper and, um, you know, being jealous and possessive as well. And also manhandling as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Those are um, really good signs to look out for. Yes. Somebody's uh, experiencing that. Now, in terms of advice, what advice would you give to someone who's in an abusive situation? Well, to someone that's in an abusive relationship, I would really tell them to get out of that relationship, but be careful how you leave, because it could be very well be your life at stake. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say, you know, if you have any friends or family that are very supportive to you in your life, um, definitely grab a hold to them, let them know exactly what's going on. Um, and maybe they can be a you know a safe haven for you. And mm-hmm. also, there's lots of organizations, um, national as well as local, um, that are able to um, provide you with support mm-hmm. and assistance. Right. I remember you touched on that mm-hmm. uh, in the book, and that's excellent. We're talking with Charla Hammond, author of Life Reclaimed Against Domestic Violence and Silver Lining in the Cloud, sponsored by CDI Managed Services. Charla, how? How often does domestic violence occur? What is the statistics on that? Well, um, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, um, domestic violence happens about every nine seconds. Wow. So it's definitely an epidemic going on. And that's with here in here within the U.S. You said every nine seconds? Every nine seconds domestic violence is taking place. 
Wow. Yes. And in terms of the effects of domestic violence on children, can you speak about that and how they're affected? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a website called domesticviolenceroundtable.org. Mm-hmm. And there's a study that shows that three to four million children ages from three up to 17 um, are in homes that uh, and where they're experiencing exposed to domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I was a child, it wasn't like it was still domestic violence. There was a lot of verbal abuse in the home. Um, and there was also some manhandling, uh, but not nothing near what I had experienced when mm-hmm. I experienced domestic violence. Um, however, children witnessing those, um, when they see, you know, seeing the incident, hearing the threats and the fights, um, observing the ap- aftermath of, you know, what's happening to their to their mother, because mm-hmm. usually it happens to the women, 95% of women, mm-hmm. um, rather than men, um, experience uh, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Those things, that exposure really has a negative effect upon uh, the children. Um, the long-term effects, they can suffer emotionally and psychological trauma mm-hmm. um, from living in the homes where the fathers abuse their mothers, Mm-hmm. Um, they can begin to use um, intimidation and violence to get their way when they be- become adults themselves. Mm-hmm. And they can start that cycle as well, you know, repeat that cycle, right. repeat what they experienced when they were younger. They say children do learn what they live oh, in yes. most cases. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Now, you mentioned men. What are the statistics of men who might be experiencing um, some sort of domestic violence? Um, well, with men, we usually don't hear a lot with men experiencing, des- in de- experiencing domestic violence, but they do experience it. Mm-hmm. And basically, from what I have seen um, from research, one in four men have, experienced, four. Mm-hmm, have experienced a domestic violence from an intimate partner. Wow. So I guess the bottom line is whether it's a, a woman <clears throat> or a man, you want to speak up and speak out and oh, somehow yes. make a difference oh, yes, for yourself and for others. Yeah. What other uh, projects are you currently working on in addition to the new book? Well, um, actually, I am working on a a project called Inspirational Wisdoms, and it's a collection of just different inspirational little sayings or just messages that I want to focus on um, for women. Um, And it, for instance, just to kind of give you an idea of what the, the setup would be like, it would be just some inspirational words for the woman, the woman in her day, um, the woman and her children, mm-hmm. just different areas of her life that are that's very important to her. Just giving her some inspiration and some motivation for those particular um, areas in her life. So that's one project. And then mm-hmm. also I have another project, um, which would be a collection of children's books as ah, well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Something for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. And in regards to uh, domestic violence, Where can a person go for help and support? What are some uh, outlets? Okay. Well, some of the outlets that they can go um, for help and support, we have their national um, organizations um, that are, uh, you know, very uh, beneficial for those that are experiencing domestic violence. Safehorizon.org, that's Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Um, They can get information from, um, from that organization. Also, Compass Center for Women and Families and as well as National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And there's a wealth of other um, organizations that will be able to assist and help, um, you know, those that are experiencing this. Um, And those national organizations also will um, have like a link to 
wherever city or state that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, it will um, it can direct them to any uh, local organization that they need to go to. Okay. Yeah, or a safe haven, a shelter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To get some sort of a yes. protection. Mm -hmm. Excellent work. An awesome book. My hope is that it helps many yes. get out of the situation and to better themselves. Tell our listeners how they can get a copy of your book. And in addition, how they can get in contact with you. Okay. Yes, yes, definitely. All of my information is on my website, charlahammond.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-A. H-A-M-M-O-N-D.com. And also I can be reached at 501-563-6354. Give me a call there. All of the information is on my website um, on the contact tab. And um, I, you can also reach me through social media. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. And um, all of those links are on my website as well. So they can get in contact with me. Um, and there's a link also on my website where they can get directly to my book. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. And then just being in contact with me through social media, uh, just uh, friending me. Yeah, just friending me on social media. They'll be able to, you know, I'll always give updates mm -hmm. um, on different things that's going on with my book because the printed copies will be out soon in about a week or so. Okay. And if Someone from Tyler Perry's uh, studio were listening. What did oh, you want to mention? Yes, that's another thing that I want to mention um, with my book. <laughs> Actually, there are certain things that I experienced um, that I um, on purpose left out of the book because I want to um, make a movie out of my book. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And so if there's anybody in Tyler Perry's team, definitely don't hesitate to give me a call. Please come see about Miss Hammond. <laughs> CharlaHammond.com. That's right. <laughs> Charlotte, thank you so much thank for an you. awesome interview this morning and for a great book that's really going to help so many in society today. You. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk to, where we talk business to business. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Bill Lampton with Championship Communication and author of Life Reclaimed Against Domestic Violence, Ms. Charlotte Hammond. We appreciate all of you for being I'm sorry, we appreciate both of you for what you do to add value to our local economy and for being on the show. I'm Nicole Toptosh on behalf of CDI Managed Services, where we work with companies to maximize their investment in IT infrastructure. And as a reminder, to listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time. When it comes to IT solutions, help desk support, cloud and hosted solutions, CDI Managed Services is your silver lining in the cloud.